Hey, startup marketing listeners. I have had so many changes in the past two months that I decided to do a bonus episode and kind of tell you about them and the things that I hope for this podcast and my business in the future. So this episode has been percolating in my mind for a long time. It's my personal story and I hope that I'm able to capture and highlight all the reasons why I believe this is the start of a very important conversation that I can help lead. So I'm going to start with the most exciting part about all of these changes and then kind of walk you through my rationale for them and the lessons I've learned over the past year and a half that led to my choice. And hopefully for those of you who are in similar positions to me where you are starting a business or you work in a startup environment that you can take some nuggets away and learn some lessons and see that everyone's journey is different and you have to make choices that are good for you and your business. So with all that being said, I have recently started a position as the director of marketing for a startup called Payrex, where we offer an online app to help automate and simplify international payments for financial institutions. So for the past year, I've been trying as hard as possible to not be a financial marketer, but it seems I just can't escape it, right? So I am in the startup space with financial marketing again, and I have been taking on more and more clients that are financial institutions who need help with their marketing. So I guess when you are good at something, you should lean into it. I guess I, I don't know more on that thought later. So what enticed me enough to take a full-time position when I already have my own business? First and foremost, I am so incredibly super jazzed, like over the moon excited about this project. I am one of six employees and to date, Payrex has not done much marketing. So I literally get to build the entire program from the ground up. I get to build the brand, which you all know I love. I get to set the course for the marketing strategy and I get to do what I do best and get people organized and strategically focused on marketing, like dream come true. Had this opportunity present itself way back when I was trying to decide what to do with my life and my career, I probably never would have started my own business. In addition to being a crazy exciting project to me professionally, I'm really happy to be part of a team again as well for the various obvious reason of having people around that I get to be excited with and work side by side with. But obviously, it's really nice to have a steady income as well. Steady income gives me working capital to grow my business. Again, something I'm going to do a deep dive into here shortly. I was initially really hesitant to share this news and for a long time, I've been feeling very self-conscious about it. After all, I've spent the past year and a half building a business and I started to think that people would view my accepting this position as an indication that my business was a failure. But there's so much that went into this decision that was driven by a lot of the lessons I've learned over the past year and a half, as well as world events, you know, COVID, that were simply out of my control. And as I was sort of telling this and lamenting these thoughts to my friend and former guest, Mike Iamelli, he was like, Caitlin, 
I'm sensing that you don't feel safe sharing this information because you believe people will judge your decision. But if you are a startup and you had taken VC money, you'd be viewed as a success. People who are not natural entrepreneurs won't understand, but you're putting yourself in a better position to build and grow your business. And he nailed it on the head. When I negotiated for my hours, my salary, and title, I did so with the idea of benefiting this podcast and my business. I work about 35 hours a week, which still gives me time to work on my business and grow this podcast. But most importantly, it gives me some flexibility when it comes to deciding exactly what my business is going to be and the freedom to invest in it without worrying what will happen if I hit a lull in clients. I was beginning to get super stressed about building a book of business. When I'm stressed, I invest poorly because I start to feel like I have to hoard all of my money from clients that are actually paying, and I make decisions out of fear and fall into a scarcity mindset, and all of those things set my creativity and ultimately make me less successful. So how did I get to this point? As you all know, I started my business in January of 2020 when I was five months pregnant with our third child and had been laid off from my corporate marketing job. My business had been in the works for a while, but being laid off meant I had to jump in several months sooner than anticipated. Now, my husband and I had been fortunate to be able to save and plan for me to have little or no income for about 24 months. So initially, we weren't too worried about losing seven months of my corporate salary, right? At the time, I knew we were really privileged to be able to think that way. Then COVID hit and the privilege of our entire situation really became even more apparent to me. So many families were forced to continue working outside the home or sending their kids to daycare, even if they didn't think or feel like that was the safest thing for them because they worked jobs or it simply wasn't an option to be able to work from home or they weren't able to keep their kids home and continue working because our society as a whole just doesn't support parents in the best way and they still had to be working full days and you just can't you can't do that you can't offer full-time child care and work a full-time job at the same time and give both of them the level of attention that they deserve so we were really fortunate that we were able to, my husband and I were both able to work from home and keep our kids with us. And there's not a single day of quarantine that I would trade. It was incredibly comforting to know that while it wasn't easy for us to decide to pull our kids out of daycare and keep them home, it obviously had an effect on them and us, um, we had a choice and we had some control we could exert in a situation that felt wildly scary and out of control. But on the flip side of that situation was the fact that there was no way that I was going to be able to continue to work full-time on my business and take care of my kids. There was homeschooling for my kindergartner and maintaining some level of academic engagement for a preschooler. And when I wasn't teaching them, I was refereeing arguments and coordinating activities. So they didn't numb their minds with hours of screen time. It was exhausting physically because I was so pregnant at the time, but also emotionally and mentally. I literally couldn't finish a complete thought, let alone a whole task or project for Authentic. 
So once again, I had the privilege to decide that I was going to be able to do the absolute bare minimum for several months for my business while I focused more on caring for our kids. I maybe squeezed in four hours a week. It was not ideal. And then once we had a newborn, you know, all bets are off and I got pretty much no work done. Um, But if I did get anything completed, it was considered a win in my book. So the pandemic really highlighted challenges for working moms like me. But let's be honest, they were not necessarily new challenges, right? They're just simply hyper-focused and under the spotlight during the pandemic. Prior to COVID, I was still the primary coordinator for all things children. I was the keeper of school schedules, hot and cold lunches, the one who knew whether sunscreen needed to be replenished in cubbies and who typically took time off to care for them when they were sick. It's not that my husband didn't help. We just didn't share the same load in that regard. And when our kids started staying home, I was fortunate that I got to make the decision to put a lot of my work aside and be able to care for the kids and really spend as much time as possible helping them adjust and them get through a scary situation and you know just put my business on the back burner and get to it when I could. My husband, who at the time was an Air Force um, contracted flyer, couldn't do that. You know, he was still required to account for eight hours of his day, again, for companies that were just starting to adjust and offer remote work for the first time. You know, they went from requiring you to be eight hours in an office to be requiring you to account for eight hours a day. And he had to show his, literally show his work in like 15 minute increments or something crazy like that. So it wasn't easy for him to help at home. And there were plenty of days where he retreated to our bedroom, shut the door so he could work in peace and quiet. And that's an unspoken signal to me that I'm on my own to figure out how to keep our kids engaged in these school activities and try to get my work done, right? So it it wasn't ideal for me. Um, it wasn't for him either, not to discount that, but it was really very kind of difficult for me to kind of carry all of that. And again, not new things that a lot of families had experienced and moms and women in general, right? A Pew Research study in October of 2020 found that among employed parents who were working from home all or most of the time, mothers were more likely than fathers to say they had a lot of childcare responsibilities while working, 36% of moms versus 16% of men or fathers. And working mothers with children younger than 12 at home were also more likely than fathers, 57% versus 47%, to say that it had been at least somewhat difficult for them to handle childcare responsibilities during the coronavirus outbreak. This isn't a new concept. There's so much research out there that shows moms bear more of a mental load when it comes to raising children. Now, this could be a whole podcast series in and of itself. And it's not, again, it's not because dads don't do anything. It's simply that just as a society, we haven't really evolved in a way where you see equal amounts of responsibility shared when it comes to child rearing. In fact, studies often show that women found as Women found more work outside the house in the 80s. Their responsibilities at home didn't decrease. So as they're moving from being stay-at-home moms to 
working outside the home, the responsibilities at home didn't decrease. While men's responsibilities at home didn't increase, even though their wives weren't able to contribute to household chores and child rearing with the same amount of time and attention as they used to. So there's this really fascinating book to read about this phenomenon and kind of how it came about. And I've linked that in the show notes, but Anyway, this reality was brought into sharp focus, right? We've been dealing with this for decades as families where women hold full-time jobs and still do a majority of the child rearing, whereas husbands, as their wives' time became more dedicated outside the house, didn't proportionally increase the amount that they contributed on a household level to child rearing. So I know this is not just our household, and I'm not the only one who kind of felt this squeeze, right? So we've kind of been struggling. We struggled with this, right? All through a majority of, or the beginning of the pandemic. And then the fall rolled around and our schools decided to give full-time in-person school a try. And we were very fortunate that they were able to keep our kids and our staff safe and in-person all year round. It's something, honestly, that I was super skeptical about and really didn't want to do um, in the fall, but I will say I was extremely happy and there were relatively few cases that were reported in our school. So, in August, right, I've got the benefit of one out of three of my children returning to school full-time. And I think... I, I was thinking at the time, this is going to free up some more hours, right? I will have one less child that I have to entertain and I'm not doing homeschooling anymore. But it really only served to make our four-year-old feel more isolated and alone now that her only playmate was gone several hours each day. And as I sat on her couch trying to reply to emails while she sat on my shoulders and hitting my head screaming, mom, mom, play, play. I realized focused work time was not in the near future because all she wanted now was time and attention that she used to get from her brother that she doesn't have anymore. And she wanted it from me specifically, and she's still adjusting to having a newborn at home. So there's a lot of that dynamic happening as well. And it was just kind of this like moment where I was like, oh, no, like this isn't this isn't going to change much. In fact, I think it's actually going to make things worse. So by the time school had started now for our oldest, I'd been out of my corporate job for several months without any clients. I'd eaten through seven months of our savings that had been carefully planned to support us during a period of reduced, not zero income. And with no one in sight for when all three kids are going to be in full-time childcare, that meant there continued to be activities that would prevent me from working on projects for my business that are going to help me start to move the needle, gain visibility, and start landing clients, right? Like that work isn't happening when kids are at home. So we decided to bite the bullet and send our daughter back part-time in October to preschool. So now I'd have two days a week where I only had our littlest, who was about five months old at the time, home with me. 
So mind you, I'm getting two days a week to quote unquote work in between feeding, soothing a baby, and generally giving the care that a five-month-old needs. So I could add an hour or two to my work week while she was napping on those days, Um, but I was definitely not getting two full days to work. So if you're keeping track, now I'm about up to eight hours a week to work, one whole day, but not in straight chunks of eight hours at a time to work. Here's the thing about building a business. You need time or money to build it, right? If you're going to bootstrap it, you need a lot of time to get things done because you're actively choosing to spend your time over money. Had I continued working my corporate job and side hustling, I would have had the luxury of having income to invest in my business and move things along more quickly. You hear a lot of coaches and entrepreneurs who are like, oh, you got to outsource that. But the reality is if you don't have a pile of cash and you're just starting out with zero income for your new business, you straight up can't afford to outsource stuff. Like it's just not an option. So you do it yourself, which takes a lot of time. And I had very little time or money available to me. So one year after COVID started, we decided that it was time for me to be able to actually focus on building a business, and we started sending our littlest to daycare as well. So now we're paying about $1,200 per month in daycare costs, which is kind of average. It's not, you know, on the lowest end here in Omaha, Nebraska, but it's also definitely not on the highest end. But $1,200 a month is like no joke, right? That's that's a big chunk of change. And meanwhile, my income is still pretty low. I haven't had time to do any of the necessary things to attract enough clients to start breaking even. And again, that's okay. We had planned for time like this and I had expected this period, but we're kind of stacking this on top of COVID, right? And on top of all the months that I really didn't have any time to focus on my business and bring in any clients. So I'm starting to get really nervous. So even though it had only been about 12 months since the start of COVID and our kids starting to stay home and then the last one kind of getting out of the house and going back to childcare full time. Economically, we had lost about 19 months of income, right? The seven from when I was laid off that we missed where we were still planning to be able to put part of my salary away. And then the 12 where I was working honestly less than part time, like a handful of hours a week. So the economic impact of COVID on mothers has been significant and its impact has been felt even more profoundly by women of color. And in December of 2020, women lost all of the 140,000 jobs in the United States, while men gained 160,000 jobs. And this is due largely to the demands placed on us to make sure that our kids were well-supported and cared for at home during COVID when it wasn't an option to be able to send them to in-person school or daycare for whatever reason, right? Teaching is a full-time job for a reason. Parenting is a full-time job. Working in a job is a full-time job. And somehow women and moms were expected to do all three of these things simultaneously without the performance of 
any of them suffering, right? And this is a fatal flaw in our society that I think many of us were probably aware of. It's just that COVID really just kind of exposed this crack and really brought it out and put it into sharp focus for us. And I am extremely privileged that I had 24 months of income to rely on and that my family could afford for me to bring in relatively little to no income for that long. Like, That is huge and something that I am extremely, extremely grateful for. But if things weren't working for me in a place of privilege, you know that they are not working for those who are less privileged. So I kept grinding after my kids went back full time, right? I kept grinding and I'm looking for ways to make things easier for myself and to tweak and change things to start bringing in more income, more clients, things like that. So I made some pivots in my business along the way to focus more on corporate clients and be able to charge higher ticket coaching prices than when I was focused just on entrepreneurs. And that I thought, you know, will hopefully help me out. But I knew the sales cycle was going to be long on these corporate clients, right? I used to be one of them. So I know that this prospecting process is going to take a while and it could be several months still before I had a steady pipeline. And there were some really creative and strategic ideas that I was shelving, despite the fact that I knew they could really help build a strong foundation for my business because it was really starting to come down to the wire. And I needed to have some kind of income, both to support our family, but also to prove out my business model. My husband and I believe in my business, but we also have to be realistic about what's sustainable for our family and that 19 months of income that we kind of essentially eat through unexpectedly or at a faster rate than actual 19 months, you know, really took a toll. And through no fault of my own, that time was lost, right? And it was critical time. And now I'm getting to a position where I feel like I have to start making it up quickly. And so there are things that I'm shelving that I'm not doing because the focus is clients, 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 and building that book of business. Even though there are those things that I've got ideas for in the long run would really help me attract more clients. You know, I'm just, again, getting into this scarcity mindset and it's becoming really, really stressful. So what I had started doing actually back in the fall of 2020 was applying for gig work to fill in some of the client gaps that I was having which is something that I also learned a lot of other coaches do in the early days, but they don't really talk about it, which is a shame because I think we all get into this fake it till you make it mindset or painting a super rosy picture online. And it does a huge disservice to followers because it's a valuable piece to the puzzle, right? This idea that until you have a steady book of business, you're not finding other income streams, right? We make it look like we all kind of stepped out and you've heard me do say this rant a million times, go on this rant a million times. We kind of paint the picture on social media that we are all making it right away, we're killing it, and there wasn't this slow and steady grind that we all went through until that book of business really got there and was able to support us financially. 
So I started applying for these gig projects through the Mom Project. It's a fantastic website if you're a mama who is looking for a new job, if you are looking for temporary work, contract work, whatever, check out the Mom Project. So through the Mom Project, I came across this job at Payrax. And initially, it was listed as part or full-time. And I asked to only be part-time. But, you know, in the first interview, John, one of the co-founders, was pretty upfront and he was like, you know, it's listed as part or full-time, but we really do think after doing all of these interviews, we probably do need a full-time marketing person. And, you know, I thought that's totally fair. And he, you know, he was really gracious and he said, you know, give me your honest assessment. Do you think you can do this part-time and do it well? And I do, I did. Um... But recognizing that maybe it wasn't at a pace that they might need it. And so, you know, we kind of went through that conversation and we both kind of agreed, like, let's go through this interview process and see where things take us and if this even ends up being a good fit. But the the interview takes off, right? And it just, it goes so well, right? You know, and I get off the interview and I tell my husband, I think I've got this job if I want it. Like, I, 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 I just, I had this feeling and I, I thought to myself, you know, I need to start thinking really hard about what I want to do here in this interview process. This project to me is so exciting as a marketer and I knew I could add a ton of value with my experience coming from a financial institution to kind of this fintech world. And so for months, I kind of, I'd been praying, like, just let me see a way to make this business work. Open a door, open a window, whatever that is that helps me make this business a success. And the more I thought about this job opportunity and the more my husband and I discussed it financially, the more sense it seemed to make for me to take it. I wasn't in a position when I interviewed where I had to take something. This was still totally a choice and it felt more empowering to make it when I could choose what kind of job I wanted to take rather than completely exhausting my runway and being forced to take the first job that was offered to me when I got to the end of that and decided, hey, or knew, hey, like I have to go back to work. Like this isn't, I can't continue to just work full time in my business. It doesn't make sense for my family anymore at this time. And so going, I knew if I got to that point, if I turned down what felt like kind of this golden apple of a job that, you know, the first job that came around was certainly not going to be one that allowed me to negotiate for the terms that felt good to me. Right. And so then really and truly my business would have to get put on hold. So that was kind of my my mental space when I messaged John, my co- one of the co-founders, my boss, on LinkedIn, and I was like, look, I'm in. If you want a full-time person, I am absolutely willing to do it. And there were a couple more interviews after that, but in the end, I named my salary, my title, and outlined the terms of my hours, and they accepted, right? Like, amazing. I'm so proud of myself. So here's a couple more things that nobody really told me about building a business when I started. First, if you're able to do it as a side hustle while you've got full-time income, 
that's the way you want to do it. You're able to make more investments in your business and you're more relaxed because you're not so worried about where your next paycheck is coming from. Or it allows you to bootstrap the business in the startup phase if that's the route that you want to go and save as much money as you can so that when you do have gaps in your income and you will have gaps in your income the first few years, you don't feel them as deeply as if you didn't have some um, cash or income that you had saved, right? And that wasn't really something that people talked about a lot. When I was researching this and thinking about this, people didn't say that very often. And it's a shame. So if you are someone who is thinking about going out on your own or you are in that early phase, just know that when you see people who are killing it, who are outsourcing things left and right as brand new entrepreneurs, it's likely that this is their side business or they're doing it um, with a stockpile of money that they've worked to save. And it's not... It's made possible by that money. It is not something that they are just magically manifesting and bringing to fruition um, through sheer hard work. It's not to say that there aren't some of those out there, but more often than not, they are in a place of privilege where they have some way to finance their business. And so the more that I started networking and thinking about this and talking with other businesses who are similar to mine, they would all tell me, hey, it took a good three to five years before our book of business really filled up and things took off. So again, my husband and I had planned for a couple of years financially where I had very little income. And then in years three to five, we planned to have less income than I had been bringing in. But again, we used so much of that runway during COVID that economically, it just made sense for me to find a job again. And it didn't mean that my business got put on hold. It just meant that, you know, my time shifted a little bit and I knew going into building my business that prospecting was going to be really hard for me. It's intimidating. And even though I've learned a lot and I feel more confident than when I first started doing it, I'm nowhere near as good as I need to be. And that hurts my business, right? I know that and I'm actively working on it, but it doesn't necessarily change the reality of where I am today. And when I think about the parts of my business that I really love, it's this podcast, it's speaking at conferences and teaching workshops all great marketing strategies for my business, but not something I can focus on full-time if I'm in the mindset of, I need to get a client soon. All of these stresses meant that I also wasn't showing up in my business very authentically, which, you know, is kind of my thing. I don't spend enough time on my content to really showcase myself in the best way on social media. I'm not doing as much as I could or should with this podcast to really make it work for me and benefit my business and bring you the most awesome content possible. So this opportunity to have income and give myself time to be strategic about the parts of my business I do love is just such a blessing to me and it felt so serendipitous that this opportunity came what it did. So I've been sitting on this news, scared of being judged, 
But if I'm being honest, I'm really proud of the decision I made, how I made it, and what I plan to do with it. I really want to be able to build a community around this podcast where I can do what I love, answer questions, and teach. I can do that if I don't have to constantly be worried about getting clients. I can build a brand around this podcast, which I haven't had time to focus on, and that would be an amazing accomplishment and a huge passion project for me. And I can do all of these things thanks to having this position at Payrex because they are so supportive of me and this podcast and of my guest speaking and my workshops and things like that. So this puts me in a better position. And in short, over the past year and a half, I've learned that I can actually be really flexible about what my entrepreneurial journey is and how it comes about. And I think that's super important to share. I think I went into this thinking, you know, this is what my business is going to be. And I built my brand and I built my website around it. And it ended up not feeling super authentic. And then I started landing different types of clients than I had anticipated. And I held on for too long before I started shifting and focusing on prospecting, getting more clients like the ones that were already attracted to me. And I, you know, had to make that pivot. I had to learn that lesson. And once I did, it still, you know, it felt like it opened up opportunities, but it still felt like the sales cycle was going to be really long. And so I've learned over the past year and a half that, you know, starting out in your entrepreneurial journey, it just, it looks different for everyone, right? And you just have to be really flexible and make peace with how that journey looks for you. I'm a mom, I am a marketer, an employee, and an entrepreneur. Taking this position doesn't take the shine away from my business. If anything, it probably is going to help me, not just financially, but also from a reputation standpoint. Freelance entrepreneurial marketing is really cutthroat, if I'm being honest. I've learned that even with a lot of experience, someone who has maybe more experience with a better known company or even less experience with a better known company and something that looks really shiny and cool on their website is going to get the work more often than I am. It doesn't matter how qualified I am. It doesn't matter that I have more experience and more know-how and a better business plan than they do. they've got something that people recognize and look at and go, oh, I can immediately identify that and I can immediately see how you're going to help me. And so all of these things, you know, come together and work out in the end. So having a position in a startup allows me to help people and help other startup companies, right? It's going to help bolster my reputation And as my best friend said to me while I was weighing this decision, she said, building a business is all about thinking, what can I do right now with what I have? And being the director of marketing at Payrex is such an accomplishment for me, and it doesn't take that shine away. How lucky am I, right? This job's going to give me tons of insight for this podcast, which you're also going to benefit from and allow me to really do more to support my audience and build this podcast and really make it amazing and bring more amazing stories to this platform. 
So I'm going to conclude with this thought. Improving this podcast is priority number one for me now. What does that look like for you, my listener? Do you have ideas, things you wish I did differently, things you like or dislike? I want to hear all of it. Please send them to me. Send me your thoughts on social media at Authentic Branding or email me, caitlin at getauthenticbranding.com. The good, the bad, and the ugly. I want it all because it's only going to help serve us both in the end. I hope to hear from you soon. All of those places to reach me are linked in the show notes, and I really sincerely hope that you send me your thoughts and your feedback for this podcast. Until next time.